The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Come up at different times throughout this farewell. 
Acts 4, where Jesus has been sort of giving his farewell instructions to his disciples. The phrase that Jesus uses these sort of phrases has a couple of different purposes in mind. One of the first purposes it has is to produce faith in Jesus. Jesus says in John 13, verse 19, I am telling you this now before it takes place, but when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. The things he was talking about there were things of a future betrayal at the hands of his disciples. Jesus also talks about his future departure. Chapter 14, verse 29 of John. And I have, now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. So Jesus talks about these things, these future events that are going to happen, in order to produce faith in Jesus. He also talks about them to foster faithfulness to Jesus. We saw in our passage last week, speaking specifically about the future persecution that his disciples were going to face. His eyes said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Verse 4, But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them. Jesus has been talking about these things. And he starts where we've picked up today in the second part of verse 4. Again, talking about these things, referring back to what he was going to say. And he spelled out for them that future persecution was going to be coming their way. You might remember last week he said, the reason that they will hate you, the reason you will be persecuted, is because of your association with me. While Jesus was still with his disciples, he was able to absorb the hatred of the world. He was able to therefore protect his disciples from that. And he was able to remove them from that situation. His arrest will be the last time when Jesus is able to do this in person for his disciples. After that, they will be bearing the brunt of the hatred of the world, all because they are disciples of Jesus. Last week we saw that Jesus was the focal point. He was the target of the hatred of the world. That if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore it hates you. By chapter 16, it seems like the disciples are starting to get a bit more of an understanding. Whilst they might not fully understand the gravity of what it is Jesus is talking about with his 
going away, they're at least starting to accept it. In times they're sick, in their acceptance, they are filled with great sorrow. He says, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Have you ever had one of those weeks that starts with something like celebration that ends in sin? The disciples were having one of those good weeks. Jesus, not long ago, had entered into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey. And Jerusalem was cheering, Hosanna! Glory to God in the highest. And now, Jesus is saying, I'm going. You're not going to come. And he's going to be hated. The kind of week the disciples were having. Things were going so well, but now they are filled with sorrow. So Jesus says to them, I'm going away, and you better off that I'm going. How often is the filling better than the original? Rarely, I would suspect. I mean, when the first grade player is not able to play in the team and they call up the reserve grader, how often is the team better off because of the reserve grader? Well, maybe you've, you've gone to your favourite fast food place. And here's the news that no longer are you going to be getting lettuce on your burger, there's going to be cabbage instead. How often is cabbage better than lettuce? Or maybe mum decides to break you a chocolate cake. How often is carrot better than chocolate? Never, in my opinion. How often is the substitute better than the the original? How would the disciples feel when Jesus says, I'm going away and it's to your advantage? You're better off without me. How do you think they would feel? I mean, if you had put all your hopes and dreams in a person and they said, I'm off. See you later. Did you feel better off? I suspect you'd be trying to persuade them not to go. No, no, no. I need you here. I have no hope without you. Have you dropped your set here? You're better off without me. How does it feel then? I don't think of the life of the people. I don't know You care for me and how I trust you to keep the So Jesus is the disciple's teacher. He's their provider. He's their protector. And now he says to them, it is to your advantage that I go away. 
not as a possible but it's to their advantage to do that. There's two ways to see the advantage that we're going to touch on this morning. One is, obviously, he's going to the cross. To their advantage that he would go, suffer, and die for their sins, right? And be raised again to life. Unless Jesus went away and paid the price for sin. Unless he went away and endured the wrath of God on himself. Then the disciples would remain under the death of sin. They would remain under the wrath of God. The second way that is to their advantage is what Jesus spells out in the passage then. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Unless Jesus goes away, the Spirit will not come and dwell with them and in them. The outpouring of the Spirit was a promise of the kingdom of God. That's what was sort of ushering the new age of the kingdom. Here in Ezekiel 36. If I will sprinkle clean water on you, then you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my words. The promise of the kingdom, the spirit would come. It's also touched on in John chapter 7. There we see that on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said with a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him Related to the Spirit. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been given the Spirit. If Jesus doesn't go away, the Spirit will not come and indwell his people. It is to their advantage that Jesus would go. And the Holy Spirit is the focus of our passage this morning. Notice the key will statements that Jesus makes about the Holy Spirit. These statements show us that the Holy Spirit's work is all about making Jesus known. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit's work is all about making Jesus known. And how will he do that? Well, the first thing that he will do is he will convict the world concerning sin. Because they do not believe in me, Jesus said. Sin is fundamentally rejecting God. Rejecting his declaration of what is right and wrong. Rejecting his rule. Rejecting his way of life. 
And the world is a place that had rejected God. And so had rejected Jesus, the Son of God. The world's rejection of God started right back to James In Genesis 1 to 3, we read about Adam and Eve. And there there is a, a garden in Eden. In the midst of the garden, the city of knowledge of good and evil. God said, His declaration of our right and wrong is, Don't eat of that tree. Adam and Eve rejected God's declaration of what is right and wrong. They rejected His rule over their life, they rejected His way. Of love. And we think we've got it. And we see And we see this also played out in Israel throughout the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, it says this See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His way, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And what is the story over and over again in the Old Testament about Israel? Did they gladly accept and submit to God? Did they accept Him? Time and again, they reject God. He's worried about what is right and wrong. They reject His rule over them as a people. They reject His right. to the Gospel of John, and it is still happening. John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. The world is a place that rejects God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because why? He has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The first thing that the Holy Spirit will do is that He will convict the world concerning sin. Because the world does not believe in Him. He'll also convict the world concerning righteousness. See, by going to the Father, Jesus is vindicated. He's declared as righteous. 1 Peter 3 tells us that Christ also suffered once the sin, the righteous to the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body that he made, made alive in the spirit. Jesus did not die for his sin. 
Jesus did not die because he was unrighteous. Jesus was a righteous sacrifice. So therefore, he was accepted by the Father as our righteous sacrifice. The Holy Spirit will also convict the world concerning judgment. Because the ruler of this world is just. This is me of Hebrews chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shares in their humanity. So that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. The Holy Spirit convinced the world concerning judgment because Jesus came, judged the ruler of this world, and released us from slavery to death. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. So very, very well how sin, righteousness, and judgment are all dealt with in Jesus. It says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by cancelling the record of death that stood against us, with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The world is sinful. It is unrighteous. And it is under Jesus, on the other hand, is sinless. He is righteous. He is the Son of God who took judgment on himself. He did this as humanity's representative. Holy Spirit's work is to convict the world about these things. That's what He will do. The next He will, that uh, Jesus talks about, the work of the Holy Spirit, is that He will guide Jesus' disciples into all of the truth. That is the truth of who God has revealed himself to be in the person work of Jesus. In this our passage, uh, in our passage, Jesus links with his speaking, the Holy Spirit speaking out the initiative and with the authority of Jesus. That's in line with how Jesus spoke with the authority and on behalf of Father. As he saw the Father do, 
so he did. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Is the Spirit declaring to the disciples the things that are to come. Paul refers to Jesus' death and, re- and resurrection See, the Holy Spirit will guide the disciples of Jesus in unpacking the significance of this event, in unpacking the, the consequences of what this will mean for them. Holy Spirit will guide the disciples into all the truth. And he will also glorify Jesus. As Jesus' ministry here on earth brought glory to God the Father, so the Holy Spirit's ministry will glorify Jesus. He does this by taking what is Jesus and declaring it to his disciples. Similar to the unrolling of a sleeping bag. What starts as something small and compact becomes something you can never get quite as small and compact as a bag. But it unrolls. It, it is revealed even more over time. It still doesn't just pass on what he did to his disciples, he presses it home to them. All the impact, all the reality of Jesus' identity and mission as the Son of God. It's a bit like the mattress as well. Maybe you've bought one of those mattresses in a box. You get home, you, you take the knife and you slice it open, and it starts to unwind, it starts to unpack. The more and more that is revealed, the more and more it is impressed upon you just what it is, this gift that you now have. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. More and more glorifying you. Because the Holy Spirit is the ultimate evangelist. He's all about revealing Jesus to the world. He's all about making Jesus known to a world that has rejected God, rejected His Son, and to those who accepted and received. See, the Holy Spirit is, is at work in us and through us. He encourages us. He reveals more and more about the truth of who Jesus is and what that means for us. But He also works through us and guides us in our mission of evangelism in this world. So Christians are like downpipes. And downpipes, when they're working as they are designed to do, are the conduits through which rainwater travels. 
They take the water that falls from a dog and transfer it to the face of the sea. And we, friends, are the conduits in which the Holy Spirit works. He works through our voices. He works through our actions. And he does this in his task of convicting the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Convicting the world that we are the ones who are sinners. We are unrighteous. We are unrighteous. But also revealing to them that Jesus Christ was sinless, righteous, and took upon himself the judgment that we deserve. He wants to do that in a through but how often do we ask the Holy Spirit to help me, heal me? That might be something that we regularly ask the Spirit. But how often might we instead ask Holy Spirit convict me? Convict me of the sin that hides within. Because though we are saints, we are not perfect. Right? Holy Spirit, will you convict me of the sin that hides within? Holy Spirit, will you convict me of the, the habits in my life that are harmful to me, that are harmful to your gospel message and the witness in this world? We might ask the Holy Spirit to guide me into the right job the right course, the right profession. But how often do we ask the Holy Spirit to guide me into a deeper knowledge of my Lord Jesus Christ? We might often say to the Holy Spirit, take this hard stuff away from me. Make it so I can be removed from this situation is suffering. But how often do we say to the Holy Spirit, though this is his heart, though this is his heart, will you glorify Jesus in what is happening to you? Or is the Holy Spirit convicting you is he revealing truth to you today? And he does that in bringing us to two realizations for us. First, the first one is that that's me realization. That that's me conviction. Where we hear the truth about Jesus and the truth about the world and the Holy Spirit brings us to a point where we say, that's me. I'm sinful. 
Father, I thank you that you do not leave us on our own. Lord Jesus, you did send your Spirit to this world to dwell in your followers and to work through your followers to continue your work, Jesus, of revealing the Father to this world. So we would ask this morning that you would continue that word through your spirit, but that it would start in our hearts. That as your Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of its sin, to reveal the glory of Jesus and what he has done in this world. Lord, that you would convict us of the things that still work within. Lord, we still fall over. We pray that you would pick us up. That you would remind us of all things, of who we are in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that you would use us for your spirit's work of revealing the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ to a world that has rejected you. Give us courage for that task this time. Give us boldness for that task this time. Give us allies for that task this time. Give us strength for that task we are. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.